Back to Tesh Matters with Jeff Boggs. New Iberia's only daily live call-in talk show. Twenty-nine, almost thirty minutes after eleven o'clock, our Millajoy coffee time. My pleasure to welcome back to the show Richard Abear, Abear's Garden Center. How are you doing, sir? Hey, Jeff. Good morning. I see some activity going across the street. That's yeah, nice to see. No, no doubt about it. I uh, always look forward to festival and you know the distractions it offers. Exactly. It's just something different. That's good. Change is good, and that's that's good. It makes it a little different. And I tell you, it snuck on, snuck up on me this year. I, I guess it's a few days early because of the weekend. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but I didn't I didn't realize till Wednesday that this was uh, yesterday to this is festival weekend. Yeah. So. You hadn't noticed uh, the sugarcane stalks going up? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm around plants all the time. You know. It's... So I ordered my hay. I got the hay in. So that's. Uh, so that kind of signifies to me that, okay, it's festival time. So No doubt about it. Uh, limited parking downtown, as Richard witnessed. Uh, <laughs> but I appreciate your making the effort anyway. We'll talk about some of the stuff you brought in. Uh, looks like pepper plants among Yeah, we, we, no, we finally start to bring in uh, stuff. You know, Jeff, we used to have everything geared up for festival weekend. I mean, uh, not that it was a big weekend, but it kind of signified that, the cool temperatures are coming, but boy, that has changed. Uh, you know, I've learned the hard way over the years that you got to kind of wait a little bit longer these days because even though we're looking at the, these temperatures and we're saying, "Ooh, ninety-five, nice and cool," <laughs> and that's that's how I look it's at amazing. it. Now. It's amazing. It's amazing. It really is. And so I'm saying, okay, but the reality is that ninety-five is not cool, and so we just got to be, you know. Be aware of, of what you can plant and what you can't. And, and the, the two big ones that people want early are pansies and snapdragons. And that's two, that's a big no no on both of those because they just really can't take the heat. And then if for some reason you get a good, good rain, Jeff, especially with the snaps, a good rain, and then the, and then the you know, the heat comes right behind it. And they start the sun, just the temperatures will get up to, you know, in the 90s, they just melt. You know, they just can't take it. And, so it's kind of it's kind of what we talk even about. in a shady area, or can they grow in shade? Well, they can tolerate some shade, and they won't bloom as well in the shade. So they really are a full sun plant, but they'll okay. tolerate some shade. And so of the two, the pansies and snaps, the pansies will tolerate the shade more, but the pansies will not tolerate the heat at all, and so they will just fry. So we don't even attempt so to. Be I always feel you're setting me up for the same joke. <laughs> That's why they're called pansies. They That's can't. It. They can't the take the, the heat. And, uh, and that's why you see, you know, pansies growing up in the northern part of the country because they just really can't take the heat up there. And uh, so that's just another story. Yeah. So uh, the people, the people can't take the heat. Uh, but anyway. I took to it pretty well, quite frankly. <laughs> Actually, you did, you did adjust. In fact, you over-adjusted. You love the heat. <laughs> <laughs> this is, really is nice weather to me. I, the, the five degrees more in the humidity, not so much. And, and we've gotten some rain, too. Yeah, you know, and, and the truth is we did get some, we needed so much, uh, but let me tell you, it helped a lot. And actually it helped in, in the lawns look a lot better, not fully recovered, but certainly a lot better. And, and so with the lawns, a lot of people say, well, what do I do at this point? And so if, if, if your ground is wet enough, you can winterize now. This is one of the few years, normally I say if you, if you pampered your grass, you know, in the spring and a little bit in the summer, Skip the winterization. But this year, and, and what I mean by winterizer is 
it's fertilizer uh, that the, the plants will do well for a short period of time in the fall. And then and they'll, they'll be set for dormancy, which may come and may not come. But and the bottom line is you do want to re- winterize this year to help that grass revitalize itself, establish a little bit more uh, uh, root system, and then just leave it alone and let it naturally do what it wants to do. But it was, it was severely hurt, as everybody knows, by a lot of things. Uh, between the drought, the drought was just enough. And then you had... Uh, and then we had, you know, a pretty good amount of chinch bugs this year. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that combination really caused problems. And then if you overcut the grass, you know, uh, I, you know I, I talked to a lot of uh, uh, people who uh, do lawn maintenance, Jeff, and they were saying it was one of the worst years they've had ever because people weren't calling to cut the grass. And normally they're on top of them saying, hey, you know, where are you, where are you? And they were waiting for the calls, but no one's grass was growing. And so – so you want to go ahead and, and winterize, and if, if the ground's wet enough, you could do it now, but there's no rush. If you want to wait for another good rain, that would not hurt at all. And then, uh, So you have to about the end of October to, to do that, and that would be really important. The weeds that we're having, we're starting to see actually uh, some torpedo grass, so I'm kind of learning a little bit uh, myself uh, in terms of what is more resilient in terms of the, uh, the weeds. And torpedo grass is one that has done extremely well in the drought. Uh, it's the one that you see all over. It has this seed stem and kind of whitish looking seeds. And it, it's a, it is a tough one to battle. And that one you may have to kind of dig out by spots or spot spray it because it's not easy to kill. And of course, crabgrass did well and that, that one didn't surprise <laughs> me. And, uh, and so you can actually spot spray for that. If you go, if you need to over spray, uh, it would be, much better just to wait a, uh, another week or two, let the let the temperatures drop just a little bit, you know, when they're not getting into the 90s. And that way you can overspray it. And obviously you never want to spray when temperatures are very, very hot and when it's really, really dry. Uh, again, it's kind of, you, you, it's not so much the weed you worry about. It's it's more to do with the grass itself. You don't want to, the, the grass is stressed out. So if you go and spray a weed killer, even though it may not technically be, say it shouldn't hurt the grass, you know, if it's stressed out, it could certainly damage it. So just kind of hang in there, and, and, and uh, if you have to spray, there are things that you can spray. And if it gets, uh, if, it, if it starts to get dry again, you know, a good watering once a week, you know, wouldn't hurt. And, um, and so, it, you know, it's potentially starting to do that. I don't know if there's a lot of chance of rain next week, you know. No better than 20% except on Monday, about 40%. Right. So, you know, so 40%. Sixty percent of us may not get anything, so yeah. just kind of look for it, and, and so just kind of hit it. But if but if you think your lawn is dry, you don't want to winterize till we start to get milder temperatures and a combination of water uh, to make that happen. So just kind of hang in there. But the good news, Jeff, is that the water we did get, I did see a lot of lot of grass revitalized. Yeah. It looked brown, and uh, so that that uh, goes to the resili- resiliency of your, of your lawn and of uh, for the most part St. Augustine. I did bring in this. I talked about this a few weeks ago, Jeff, and uh, I bought this pellet, and I forgot to bring the final thing. And what, what basically I'm showing Jeff, it looks like a little small hockey puck, huh? Yeah, maybe. Well, very small. About, about the size of a quarter. A little bit, but maybe a half dollar. Maybe a half dollar, and it's probably maybe a half inch tall. It's just a flat, and they call these peat pellets. And what you do with this is you actually take this and you soak it in water. 
for about 10 to 15 minutes, and then expands to this right here. Okay. And this, and what I'm showing Jeff here, is actually the same pellet that's been in water, and exp- it expanded to about three inches tall, and it still has a, about a half dollar size quarter. But the, the difference is, is that there's soil in here. And basically what it is, is it's just a heavy peat-based soil. And peat, if you soak it in water, expands. And that's basically what this does. It's, I don't know, you think it's... Ten times the size or maybe five times the size? At least five, yeah. Yeah, let's say five times the size of that. And then you just plant your seed, seeds directly in the soil. So you don't need to buy dirt. And so it's kind of an easy way to uh, to start your seedlings. And you know, so people are doing cabbage and rock and all of that. And normally you'd have to buy this right here, Jeff, which basically this is called a peat pot, which is basically uh, a small pot made out of peat and that you would add the soil and plant your seed. Yeah. This one basically has everything already in it, and you would plant the seed directly into it, and you're ready to go. And you put it in the ground? You could you could plant the whole thing in the ground. Exactly. Everything is biodegradable. So, But what you would do, actually, is you'd plant your seed, just like with the peat pots. You'd plant your seed, and before you planted it, you, you'd get the, the seedling to grow and make a, like with a cabbage, you'd let them get it maybe six or eight inches tall. Once they look strong and healthy, and then you just transplant the whole thing in the ground. Could you put the seed in? In the small stage and have it grow or rise around that? <laughs> I guess technically you could, but why would you want to do that? So it would be more in const uh, in the pod? Uh, I, I guess. No, I think it would be bad just to, to water it first because, you remember, you're soaking this underwater. So technically. The seed could float, could float out. Yeah. And then just let it and – then, and then remember, because I'm showing J- uh, Jeff here just a, a really a dried husk. <laughs> Yeah. Because it's not in water, and so you obviously want this thing to be really wet. And then you just – you could actually – you'd better push your, your yeah. seed in, in the soil. When it's wet. Yeah. yeah, when it's wet. So it's really not looking like – but anyway, it's an easy way to do it. So if you're doing a lot of small stuff and you're not doing many, those little peat pellets are a, gr- a great way not have to buy a bag of soil and do all that. And all you do is put those in trays, and they would perform – Really, really good. So I was telling y'all we started to get some color, and so the ones that you could plant now are the ones that we get, right? So we're not getting pansies. We're not getting snapdragons. And this one, Jeff, I know you know what this one is. and uh, The pansy, petunia? Petunia, very good. Jeff, man, it, 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 how many years have we been doing 18 years? 20 plus. Damn, it's, it's coming across. It <laughs> so the petunias are one that can take the heat. And take the cold. Now, if we get down to, you know, uh, you know, lower 20s, that's where the pansy has the advantage because it can take the cold as much yeah. as well. And the petunia has the disadvantage. But in theory, we shouldn't get that that often. And uh, so, but, you know, 28, even 25, uh, and, it, and it gets above freezing next day, petunias will do fine. And uh, this one right here is a variety called Madness. And uh, this is a great one for planting in the beds or planting in containers. Now, there's some that we'll get in another week or two that are more spreading varieties. So there's more options uh, on the petunias than there used to be years ago. But Madness is a good, I guess, all-purpose variety that you can plant directly in the ground. And you space these uh, plants around uh, 8, 10 inches apart, and they'll fill in. They'll give you color all winter long. What will happen is in around January, when the uh, the day length is probably, you know, uh, uh, much less because the day length is short, but you get a lot of overcast weather in January, so you're not getting a lot of – they'll quit blooming. So people will start calling and say, man, you know, do I need to pull them up? Or I said, no, I just hang in there. 
And I said they are going to explode in February, and they will. And what they do is they'll still grow in January, and they'll spread. They're just not going to bloom a lot. But then when the sun's the dayland starts to get a little longer and we get a little bit more sun, it won't take much. It'll take maybe three or four days of non-overcast weather. All of a sudden, the petunias are just going to be absolutely gorgeous. And they're gorgeous February, March, April, and May, and well into June. So you get a good five, you get a fall color, and then you just get five months of a, a spectacular display. And uh, so really, you know, I'd like to say A-Bear's, actually changed people to start planting petunias in the fall as opposed to the spring. And we just kind of taught our clientele, man, this is the time you should plant. This is, I'm talking about 30, 40 years yeah, ago. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so we just slowly nudge them and say, look, give it a try. We just don't get that kind of cold weather. And, and I can't remember, you know, maybe last year some of them got zapped because of the cold, but normally not, we tell you nine out of 10 years, you're going to be fine. It's worth the risk. Uh, strictly because it'll give you so much color for so much longer. The you know we sell petunias in the spring too, Jeff. So let's say you plant a petunia in March. By the time it starts looking really really good, it'll be late April and May, and uh, it's going to start heading south on you because of the hot temperatures. So really you really want to try to do that and uh, uh, make great things happen. Now this right here is a, a marigold, and marigolds really I wouldn't consider them a true. Uh, uh, fall plant to plant with because they can freeze okay all right however the reason marigolds are sold in the fall the same reason crotons are sold is because of the color yeah so the ones i bought in here are kind of orange and there's orange and basically orange and yellow are the two main colors with marigolds and so they're good fall colors they're blooming now this marigold plant is a lot bigger than that petunia plant because it grew really well in the heat and they could plant it earlier and so you'll get a really good color show till to really it freezes and so last year it would have gone to about december and then it would have been it would have been knocked out but it gives you great fall color as a rule kind of reminds me of a mum it does in many ways it does look like a mum does it need the same kind of watering well in terms of uh the mums you're correct the mums will be actually in much bigger containers so because people use them as um as a um as quick fall color so the marigolds can actually be planted in the beds, and they will give you color till a, a freeze. The mums won't give you color till a no. freeze. So the, the mums will give you color basically, let's say, all the month of October, a little bit into November. So the mums are a fast, uh, a, a, a lot, a lot of color really quick. But, you know, people are decorating the, in, for Halloween yeah. and fall and, uh, you know, the gumbo cook-off and just – a, a lot of events occur, not only in, in South Louisiana, but everywhere. So mums are really, really big. In fact, Jeff, you, you watch some of those, uh, I see it every year, some of those uh, football games held up in the north. Uh, you'll see a lot of oh, times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of times the perimeter of the field decorated in these mums and, uh, and because of that quick color. So marigolds are a great one. Another really good one uh, is uh, zinnias. And uh, zinnias, same, same reasoning. Uh, they have the, a lot of them uh, have the fall colors. And you'll get them at a mature state, state, uh, stage as opposed to the petunias and the snaps and the pansies. When you buy the petunias and the snaps and the pansies, they have to plant them much later. The growers have to plant them much later because they have to wait until milder temperatures. So whereas the zinnias and the marigolds, they could plant them earlier. So you're going to get a much more mature plant. You'll find these in, in six-inch and gallon containers. Uh, so they give you great, great color. And, uh, and so, again, it's all, about, it's all about that October show, what everybody's trying to get. 
and so it it performs real well. The other one that I brought in is one called Dianthus, and this is a bedding plant. And Dianthus is a very, very short plant that can take, not only can take heat in terms of the plant itself, but the flowering doesn't occur when it's really, really hot. But this will grow all summer, and this is actually a perennial, I mean all winter, and this is actually a perennial. So this will take the uh, extreme cold with, with not a problem, and it will bloom. These will stay shorter, so a lot of times you see these in pots amongst other plants, or you see them as a border plant. Uh, but this one you can get an early start. So the ones that you can get an early start are going to be the dianthus, petunias, zinnias, and the marigolds. You can, you can get an early start with those that will give you some color. And don't forget, you know, crotons and all that, but crotons you can't plant, plant in the ground because of the, the cold weather. But crotons are a big fall plant strictly because of the, the leaf color has that uh, kind of orange and red into it. But this has uh, like a purple velvet look to it. It's well, really a neat-looking flower. Yeah, and, 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 and Jeff, that's a good point. Uh, this is only one variety I brought okay. in. So they also have reds, pinks, whites. Um, they don't have yellows, but they have an assortment of uh, in, in different uh, colorations within within the reds and the pinks and all that. So they do come in a, in a variety of colors that actually does real well. We talked about the ornamental peppers. I just wanted to bring them in, and this is, has a kind of a purple fleece, makes a purple pepper, and this one will actually end up being a red and yellow and orange pepper. But, but uh, again, they're or, ornamental. Ornamental, and they're not, they're not technically not poisonous, so that's really in terms of that it's a non-issue, but, but you just don't know how hot or mild they're going to be, so it's hard to use them in cooking when you're trying to kind of trying to stage that. But they do, do they, extremely well. Do they grow any easier than peppers you might eat? Uh, no, about the same. And just remember, this is kind of the pepper end of it is kind of in the same category as the zinnias and the marigolds in the sense that they don't like the cold. And, I'm, and even the peppers, they don't even like it cool. Yeah. So when we start to get into the 40s, they're going to struggle. So this is also a, a uh, um, you know, I, I want to put a pot that, again, fall represents harvest too, so they want to show the peppers. And so you're kind of looking at as a, and not so much a big uh, plant that you're going to plant in the beds as opposed to the petunias and the pansies and the snapdragon and the calendars. You plant those in the beds. These are going to be planted in containers. And, and we also get them in six-inch and gallon containers that have more peppers on them. So uh, it, it's really more to do with decoration as opposed to a, uh, a wide planting. Okay. Uh, Jeff, we started to get uh, you know all the vegetables in, so I think people are really – I mean, they kind of look at it like we talked about, uh, you know, oh, it's the mid-90s, let's get it done, and mm-hmm. it's, it's cool. And so, but, but people, have, we started uh, started to sell the uh, vegetables a couple of weeks ago, and and uh, and they're actually doing very well. And the, the, the key right now is if you can't keep it wet, you can't plant it. And that's probably true with anything. You know, if you're saying, you know, I'm planting, you know, it's 100 feet from the house, and I really don't have a water hose to it, so I have to bring a bucket and I'll miss a couple of days, you can't do that. And uh, so if you have a situation where you can keep wet, it is worthwhile getting an early crop. And, and one thing we learned last year with that cold weather that we got, it was around Christmas, that people who plant a little bit later, which normally would be okay, Jeff. I mean, we, you could plant the whole month of October, but last year was the exception. And that was because the, if the plants were too little and too young, that hard cold took them out, which normally you'd be okay. If you had a cabbage plant, uh, that was uh, that was mature, uh, but not that the head wasn't solid. It did okay. Uh, now, if you had a cabbage plant that was ready to harvest, and people would call me and say, "What should I do?" I said, "You should harvest it, because it'll actually 
make the because cat. you could see the temperatures that they were forecasting. Exactly, it was going to be too cold for too long. And what would happen is, if you left them out there, they would just explode, Jeff. They would freeze solid and just it would be like ice and would just blow up. And so uh, you'd actually have the smell of you know, decaying cabbage out there. And so, yeah, if they were close to harvest, you could harvest them. And if they were big enough, uh, but the heads weren't tight, they did okay. But anything young, even, you know, carrots, and this is all cool season stuff, Jeff, carrots and the beets, uh, young, anything young like that really took a hit. But that was the, that was the exception. We, you're talking about lower 20s and below freezing for a couple of days. And, you know, remember, La Triomphe didn't have water for a week. Uh, because of that situation, so it, it was a it was a very unusual, uh, but normal weather conditions. You can plant the whole month of October, so there's really no immediate rush. Uh, the only thing is, some people, Jeff, want to plant cabbage um, and have it uh, produced for New Year's, you know, and uh, so that one you'd want. You'd, I would say no later than the second week of October if you're trying to get it for New Year's, and, and depending on the variety, will make a difference, but. Kind of keep that in mind, but uh, certainly, certainly the cabbage, the broccoli, cauliflower, we're all good to go on that. If you can keep it wet, if not, there's no rush. Beets, turnips, mustard, uh, radish, parsley, all the herbs. You really have to start it with a lot of herbs, but certainly onion tops is a big one that people plant that uh, we started with. And parsley is, is two, probably our two uh, number one, uh, uh, one and two used herbs uh, in South Louisiana. And uh, but you can still plant uh, things like rosemary and oregano, thyme. The biggest one is basil, which can take the cold. But if you put it in a pot and you're moving in and out, uh, you can actually do well. Remember, January was extremely warm last year. It was, it was certainly mild. Yeah, and, especially uh, considering how Christmas was. Exactly. And uh, so it, it was, uh, you know, who knows? You know, I, I used to be, the, you know, October used to be so consistent. Uh, you could say it was going to be the driest month of the year, Jeff, and it was going to be the, I guess, most pristine in terms of temperature, and that's no longer the case. We just don't know. Yeah, and, it's one uh, of the reasons festivals, you know, that's right. it was such a popular time. Exactly. And so that certainly has consistently changed, and so we're just going to have to um, – Bob and weave a little bit, but know this: we can still plant our cool season stuff uh, because temperatures at this point, Jeff, aren't getting into the nineties in November and December. Gotcha. Anything else you want to share today? That's it, Jeff. What you doing for the festival, work wise? Well, oh, work wise, well, pretty much we're gonna, we, you know, we're just bringing in material actually, and so it's not a big weekend for us because it's kind of uh, people are doing a, a lot of things, and, and again, like this weekend, it's going to be in the nineties. So until those temperatures start to decline but we'll start filling the place up uh like we've got in hay and we got in crotons and a lot of things have come in but the big stuff a lot of the citrus and a lot of the shrubbery and certain the bedding plants which is a big deal uh won't be arriving for at least another seven to 14 days gotcha appreciate you coming by battling the traffic you got got a ride home or you got to walk i'm a hitchhike okay good luck with that (laughs) 